Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Hebrews and from the book of the Revelation. First, we begin with Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken the seat at the right hand of the throne of God. And then from the Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you're the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, speak to us today. Lord, remind us in the presence of death the power of resurrection. Lord, remind us today that we are not remembering defeat, but we are celebrating victory. Lord, give us hope of the reunion that is still coming for all of us. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Welcome to the communion of the saints. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not real sure how that works. The Bible doesn't say enough about it to satisfy me, but I do know that the writer to the Hebrews said that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, these loved ones, uh, these loved ones are still among us. They have crowded into the space. They are all around us. They have gathered with us for worship, and they know a whole lot more than we do. They've experienced far more. They understand heaven now far better than we could even imagine. And they're cheering for us. They're rooting for us. They are inviting us to join the party. They long for us to have the joy that they currently celebrate. They, we can hear them from, from eternity shouting to us, let loose of every weight that holds you back. Turn loose of every sin that entangles you or ties you down so that you too can join the party. We hear their voices today on this All Saints. And quite frankly, we've been praying for the very same thing. Every time you and I pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Uh, every time we pray that, we ask for God's presence to be so real among us on earth that heaven actually invades the earth that we live in. Uh, we have the opportunity to live that eternal life now. In fact, most of the Gospels are actually not about going to heaven. Most of the Gospels are not about what these loved ones are experiencing now, but how we can have that experience here in this life. The Gospels invite us to enter into the kingdom of heaven now. And so all of these loved ones that have gone before, they're urging us, come to the party. We're praying that we might get to the party and we might do so in this life. Heaven and earth meet at this point. That we're all rooting for the same thing, that we might enter into eternal life, even right now. But what does it look like? How will we identify it? What is it that has these people so excited at this very moment? If we're to be working towards what they have, then how do we know what to look like? How to work for it? I know if I'm trying to build something, and it's not my strong point, but if I'm trying to build something, I need a pattern. I need a model to go after. Uh, even when I put together a jigsaw puzzle, I gotta look at the, bo at the box top. I gotta see the bigger picture. So how are we supposed to recognize what the kingdom of heaven even looks like? Well, John, in writing in the Revelation, gives us a glimpse. John graciously gives us a small picture of what eternity looks like. He tells us that he's standing there in the throne room and the Lamb of God, Jesus, sitting on the throne and all, uh, all this huge multitude is around. And listen to how he describes them. People from every nation, from every tribe, from every language, all sorts of people have gathered around the throne to worship God day and night. They are in the middle of a euphoria of praise. Uh, it is, I'm sure, beyond our imaginations, beyond description, but they are involved in worship uh, that, is, uh, that is full of joy and gladness that is unspeakable even to us. Uh, that massive crowd gathers around the throne with no pointing fingers, no gossip, nobody talking about, can you believe she wore that to church today? Nobody saying, well, he shouldn't have worn his jeans to the worship service. None of the stuff that gets trapped in too much of our worship is there for them. Uh, none of the judgment. All welcome. Every tribe, every nation, every language lifting up one voice in praise to God Almighty. That's a glimpse of what heaven looks like, according to John, and, and he's been there. Uh, he also tells us that there'll be no uh, there'll be no needs. Nobody's hungry. Nobody's thirsty. I I don't know for sure how that works in heaven either. Except that John assures us that nobody is lacking anything. Of that massive multitude, nobody has to go without. That's a picture of what heaven looks like. That everyone is provided for. Nobody's hungry. Nobody's thirsty. Nobody's having to work long days in the scorching heat just to get by. The, that sense of need is just absent as John draws us this picture of eternity. Then he goes on to say that God himself will wipe away every tear. All of us have shared tears of sorrow over the last few months. Maybe over the loss of our loved ones, maybe over the strain of this pandemic. But we have a promise of a time when God would wipe away every tear. There's no longer any need for sorrow and mourning. They flee away, the Bible tells us. That's our hope. That's what heaven looks like. That's what my daddy 
wakes up to every morning now. That's what these saints wake up to every morning. These souls experience that reality unending. And they're getting after us, friends. They're telling us, turn loose of everything that gets in the way. Anything in your life that doesn't look like what we're experiencing in heaven, anything in our lives that doesn't look like theirs, they're telling us to run away from. Drop that weight. Get rid of the sin that entangles us. If something in our lives gets in between who we are and what they have, it's got to go. It's pure and simple. Divest ourselves of things that are no longer heavenly. And how important is that for us? Uh, because in this day and time, in, in our time, we tend to put our hope in a lot of different things, don't we? Some put our hope in our national superiority. We pour millions upon millions of dollars into making more and more weapons so that we can have the strongest defense in the entire world, and, and perhaps that's necessary, but we, if we put our hope in that, we create this illusion that we'll be safe. And yet what I'm finding is that more and more, with all of these great defenses, more and more, we are fearful even in our own homes. Almost every time I turn on the TV, I see a commercial for a home security system. We've spent more on safety than any country in the world, and yet in our own homes, we don't know if we're safe. So maybe our, our hope in strength, our hope in defense, maybe that's not the best place for our hope. We, we place our hope in wealth. We amass all the wealth we can, thinking that as long as I've got enough, that I can make sure that that my family and I don't go without, that we don't have any need, that we get to eat every night. So we amass all that we can to meet our own needs, and yet with all of this huge pile of wealth, we find that tonight, 690 million, 690 million of our brothers and sisters are going to go to bed hungry. And in my role, I've spent, I don't know how many times, in hospitals, nursing homes, assisted living. I've sat with people in the most difficult times of their lives, and the bank account is never enough to fix it. We want to be able to provide for health care, but ultimately, our wealth is not the place for our hope and our trust. We might cling to our social status. We can, I can cling to my position and I can at least distance myself from those whom I feel are threatening. Those that might bring a challenge to my life or my way of living. I can at least create barriers that protect me and mine, we might want to say. But I'm wondering, have we been building fortresses out of wood, hay, and straw? The Apostle Paul says, that sometimes we construct our lives of those things, but they will not stand the judgment. The, the fire of the judgment will consume them. Have we built for ourselves fortresses of wood, hay, and straw? Are we putting all of our hope in castles in the sand? Christ and all the saints invite us to something far better. They give a much brighter vision for our future. They give us something on which we can have complete hope and trust. They give us this glimpse of heaven. They, they give us a view of what eternal life can be, of what it's designed to be. If we would 
if we would begin to pursue eternal life in this life, then let's tear down the walls. Tear down the walls that divide human being from human being. Learn to see one another as being created in the image of God. May God give us the ability to look at people of every nation, tribe, and tongue and see them, see in them the image of our perfect God. May we be able to recognize that, that those people all around the world from every background, that they are, that we all share the same God and Father. May we learn to treat one another like family, or in some cases better than family. Let's tear down the walls, because when we destroy those barriers, we begin to erect the kingdom. And maybe, maybe we can release a little bit of our wealth so that those in need can have something. Maybe we release a little bit of our wealth and fewer people go hungry tonight. I confess to you that I really came under conviction as I worked on this part of the sermon. Uh, the idea sounded all nice, but the Holy Spirit convicted me. Preacher, are you willing to practice what you preach? To be honest, I really didn't want to. I just wanted to make a nice speech today. But I couldn't turn it loose. The Holy Spirit got after me. And here's how it went down. Uh, I love grilling. I love grilling for my family. It's, it's one of my hobbies. Plus, at the end of it, you get to eat. Uh, also hot. So I really enjoy grilling. Uh, my current grill is beginning to get uh, quite a few rust spots and it's burned out in a couple of places. So I'm starting to think about my, my next grill. And I've already been shopping, in fact, online. And uh, I found a nice stainless steel grill that looks really good. It's got a griddle with it. And I started to, uh, to really uh, almost covet that thing and begin to, now it came with a, a $500 price tag. That's crazy. Uh, and, and I don't have it put on it right now, but I started thinking about how I could save some money. And I was going to buy that grill so that I could upgrade my grilling equipment. I was getting kind of excited. But as I worked on this sermon, the Holy Spirit just kind of whispered in my ear, does that shiny new grill for your middle class family really fit in with a kingdom mindset? I really felt God challenging my motives. Is it a, are you building the kingdom when you invest that kind of money in, a, in an extra cooking device for your family when people are hungry in the world? Well, I thought it. I wanted to resist the whole idea. I wanted to forget that I even thought about it, but I couldn't. And so I'm, I'm making the commitment that uh, whatever grill I buy, whether it's $200 or $500, whatever grill I buy, I am going to uh, make sure that I spend the same amount of money as a gift to a hunger ministry. Probably going to give it to Heifer Project. It's been a, a huge thing in our church for, for decades. We feed people all over the world through Heifer Project International. So if, if I think that I deserve a new grill, then at least the amount of money I spend on the grill ought to go to feed people who don't have the grill nor the food to put on it. Now, I don't want to make you feel guilty. That may not, that's what God spoke to me. And if God's not dealing with you that way, I don't want to put that on you. But I do want to, I do want to ask, does the way that we spend money help us to build the kingdom of heaven in this world? If it does, great. But if it doesn't, how might we change?
And then we live in these horribly divided times. Uh, people are choosing up sides over everything, it seems like. We are, we've lost the ability to have civil disagreements. Now we immediately go to arguments and fights. And our culture's hurting. Uh, as much as ever, our culture needs the church to be the church. We have the opportunity in this craziness to imitate our God who wipes away every tear. In the midst of the pain and the vision of our times, can the church actually step up and be the church and wipe away the tears of our culture? To me, that's what building the kingdom of heaven on earth looks like. That's what I believe that our saints are inviting us to. Let loose of everything that gets in the way and let's finish this race doing the things that really really matter. I pray that we'll listen to the saints. I pray we'll listen and we'll follow what they're saying. I pray that we will devote our lives to building the kingdom in this world so that we will be ready to join them later. Thank you for joining us for our worship today. Perhaps something in the worship service of preaching, the prayer, the the music has touched your life and you'd like to connect even more deeply. I want to invite you to do that. My email address is on the screen now. I invite you to email me and let's talk. Let's talk maybe about what God's doing in your life or about questions that you might have. Uh, and maybe we can connect you even at a deeper level with our family here at Forest Lake. So if, if you'd like to continue the conversation, please reach out. I'd love to talk. Amen. Thank you.